You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. It's episode 11 of Grow Yourself Up. And today we're going to continue talking about nurturing our adult love relationships in early parenthood. This is obviously an extremely challenging and complex task, and this is not um, couples therapy. But I'm hoping to give you some tools and some ways of thinking and suggestions so that you can um, take this forward into your life and bring perhaps a bit more ease into your partnership. So I'm going to start off with some quite granular things um, around how you are in each other's presence and how you acknowledge and greet each other. So obviously we've all got different um, family constructions and um, uh, different people stay at home, but typically we have one parent who does more caregiving than the other parent. So how does it work when the person who does um, work outside the home comes home to the parent who is doing work inside the home. So probably the more tending to the house and um, looking after the children. How does that process work? Because often um, we see a dynamic where the person who's looking after the children is so overwrought by the end of the day and the partner comes home and, um, you know, that kind of cliche of the mom throwing the baby at the dad and kind of saying, she's all yours, is a cliche because that is often what happens. I know that in my household, so I do more of the um, the caregiving. My husband works full-time outside of the house. Often, especially by Friday night, I would be feeling absolutely full of rage by the time he came home and kind of like really exhausted. My nerves would feel like they've been shredded. I noticed sometimes what I was doing in earlier parenthood was kind of um, having like an explosion all over him as soon as he came home. So like my volcano came up, basically. That was extremely difficult for our relationship because it's a huge onslaught to him. So he's commuted, he's come home on the, he first goes on the tube and then he goes on the train. So he goes on the underground and then on the train. It's often really hot. Um, he's had a long day at work as well. And, um, he is excited actually to come home and see 
uh, me and his two daughters. And then so to be met by me, um, sort of grumpy and in a bad mood, didn't really help in terms of our own connection. Often also, it can feel like it's a competition on a daily basis about who's had it harder. Did I have a worse day because I had to deal with vomiting twins or did he have a worse, worse day because he had lots of um, client meetings? And the thing is, is it's subjective anyway. So there's no point in going down that um, comparison route. It's not a race to the bottom where there is space enough for all of our feelings. So often when we've grown up in a dysfunctional family, it feels like we need to compete um, for, for attention. We need to be good to get attention. We need to get things perfect to get any love or attention or validation. And we're trying to shift all of that and kind of have space for both of our experiences. So I really want to suggest you notice how that transition home for the, for the parent who's, um, working more outside the home is and to try and allow space to honor both of those experiences because you can each have a had a hard day. It's not a competition about who's had the harder and you can each have space to acknowledge that for the other. What I notice now is that I really give space um, to hear how my husband's day was. Um, sometimes I'm not able to um, kind of contain my annoyance or, you know, it, it might all come out if things have been really tricky, but I've really been much more mindful about um, how we um, greet each other. I find physical contact really important. So I always will stand up, hug him, give him a kiss. Um, and that's the way we greet each other. Um, I don't know, you know, every, every one of you will be different, but I suggest really acknowledging the other person. Um, if you're, you know, to, to come to the front door or to at least look in their eyes if they come into the room, if you're maybe on the floor with your baby or with your multiple children. Um, because Often people can feel ignored when they're not, um, when they're not greeted. And so even though the person who's been at home may be having a really tricky time, it's important to actually to, we want to do this thing called mentalizing in this case. So you can discuss it with your partner actually, but mentalizing is when we, we learn to understand that everyone else has a different, um, kind of mental construct going on and views the world through a different set of eyes. We all have different um, models and expectations of how the world will run. So mentalizing is essentially putting yourself in the other person's shoes and imagining how they might feel. And that can be really useful. Um, I have found that a really useful tool within my own relationship. And um, I think it can be helpful helpful in a partnership because remember this is not a person that you're trying to compete with or prove that you're better than this is someone who you presumably want to remain in relationship with and so trying to understand them better and wonder how an experience might be for them um, is contributing to building intimacy actually and then acknowledging that so I have found it really helpful to acknowledge what it must be like for my husband to come home um, if everyone is having a meltdown and um, I have really um, kind of taught him I guess to understand what's going on from my point of view because I often have much more dramatic reactions than he does so sometimes he doesn't understand what's going on for me and I've um kind of explain to him that it, it's not necessarily that he actually understands 
uh, exactly what's happened for me, but that rather that he just supports me in that. And I think that can be a really valid, um, and important way of supporting each other because often if we don't understand why someone has been triggered or if we don't think it's valid or, you know, um, if we don't think what's happened in the situation is valid, we can get into criticizing or kind of undermining their reaction. And I want to suggest that in the, in the dynamic of our couple relationship, that we don't undermine or gaslight our partner's lived experience because we are each all coming to parenting with our own set of um, wounds and trauma from childhood, and they will be different. So you will therefore experience the um, the challenges from parenting differently. So just a quick recap, let's, um, I think that the honoring each other um, on a basic level, so starting with kind of greeting each other kindly and actually acknowledging when you see each other again is really useful mentalizing about what might might be going on for the other person and then allowing them their experience. So if they, um, if you or they share that you've had a challenging time, not to actually undermine what the other person says, but rather to see how you can problem solve together and how um, you can support your partner in, and they can support you. Our web of support, I've talked about our web of support before, and I think that's really, really fundamental in early parenthood, indeed throughout life, actually. But often we may be quite isolated if we're operating in a, in a, in a family grouping or a, or a nuclear family. We may tend to try and get everything from our partner. So this is kind of something about modern life where the relative importance of our partner has grown um, probably over the last 50 years, maybe, maybe longer. So we now, it feels like our partner needs to be our everything. And that actually puts way too much pressure on, on a long-term love relationship or a short-term love relationship. Um, because they cannot offer us everything. We need our own web of support. And indeed, trying to get everything from one person is too much pressure and it doesn't contribute to uh, a sense of desire often. Some of the practical things in early parenthood, um, I found really difficult. I found bathing twins when I only had myself, if my husband was traveling, really difficult. And once I asked for help in some areas, just talking to other twin mums actually about like, how do you bath them? And like, what positions do you do? And, and, and I learned a whole lot of new things I've found out about bath chairs and things that might sound really obvious, but often when we're in the throes of um, the challenges of early parenthood, we, we kind of can't think that clearly often. Also, there might be an issue where you don't want to ask for help because, um, you feel a sense of shame in some way. So it actually took me a long time to join a twin Facebook group because I thought I should be able to figure out all by myself. So I always think that like join all the groups. If you can join, you know, some online groups, maybe an in like a lovely in-person group where you can go and ask some practical questions or just share about what's going on in your everyday life so that you have outlets. We all need multiple outlets and multiple layers of different relationships. If you live far away from where your family are, or if you live far away from where you grew up, there are levels of support that would have just been removed from you. So really notice that and notice how you can try and get what you need from other sources, because you cannot be each other's full web of support and um, sort of spreading the load around a, a group of, of other adults will make you feel much more um, kind of solid in your support base. 
you're actually much more able to be emotionally available to your love relationship when you're getting other help elsewhere. You know, your support base could consist of your, your therapist, maybe one of your siblings, a sister, a couple of um, friends, some mum friends. Not everyone that you get support from has to be someone that you know deeply. It can be, um, you know, some mum friends that you may not even know that well. Maybe your best source of support. Often books have been part of my web of support, actually. One of the things that often happens in our adult love relationships is that our own childhood trauma gets triggered. And so we can come to see patterns in our relationships that may be much more about our past than our future. So some part of my story is that um, I'm the eldest child of a, an alcoholic and um, an alcoholic parent or a parent who is in addiction is always, they're not present essentially. So there's an abandoning dynamic in that. And our model of love is based on typically um, how we interacted with our opposite sex parent. So previously, I've always been attracted to avoidant men because um, I wasn't that familiar with emotional availability. So on a very, very simplified level, this is a gross simplification I want to tell you, that might mean that I would, like within the context of my relationship, be... Um, looking for patterns or imagining things which are not there in terms of them abandoning me or not being present for me. And it's really, really important not to layer the present moment over with our past trauma. However, we all do it, particularly when we're tired, um, we're sleep deprived in early parenthood. Um, frankly, we're probably sleep deprived all the way through parenthood. And because we, we often subconsciously seek to try and heal the wounds from our childhood in our adult love relationships. But the way we actually do that is really learning to be interdependent. So I spoke um, in the previous episode about how there's one partner who is more contact seeking or who likes to talk more. And typically in a relationship, there is always one partner who is more contact seeking than the other. So in my relationship, I think that I'm probably more contact seeking and I like to talk more and initiate kind of contact. And sometimes my husband is not available for that. So I could go on a big, big story in my head about what that means, layer on a whole lot of like stories about, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that. Um, he doesn't love me. Like put up a whole lot of drama because maybe he's tired and he might be feeling a bit shut down and he just needs to recuperate by himself for a minute. And that's deeply unhelpful because when we have that feeling of, um, so it's essentially our implicit memories get triggered around something, we can then bring a whole lot of explosive drama into our adult love relationships because of stuff that happened in our childhood. So, you know, part of being in an adult relationship and building intimacy between you and your partner is actually being real and sharing some of the stuff that bothers you in a, in a kind of a moderate way. And so it's helpful to do a reality check and to ask them about their behavior. And this, this feedback loop, I think, will help in that because it's a way of taking responsibility for what you are making up about their behavior. So the feedback loop is when you do that or when you say that, what I make up about it is. So I'll say that again. So when you do that or when when you say that, what I make up about it is. Now that's really helpful because you can say, so I could say to my husband, for example, when you say, no, you don't want to talk about this now, what I make up about it is that 
you don't love me anymore. I mean, that's an extra dramatic example, but, um, what makes me feel rejected. You can explain how you feel and take ownership for things so that they can understand more about you and, and how you run. Not that they necessarily need to fix it or change anything, but it's about building intimacy and mutual understanding so that you can see and hear each other as you are now. And I always think that um, reality checking is really useful because you own your own stuff and you show them a bit of yourself. So in this example about if I'm reaching out to be to do talking and, and he doesn't want to, instead of screaming at um, someone and saying, you did this and uh, you make me feel so rejected or um, when you do that, I find that so humiliating or however it makes you feel. Um, you're so selfish. Uh, I really want to talk about this now. I need this. Anything like that is going to lead to an escalation in conflict and certainly a breakdown in connection. Whereas if you can frame it in a way where you take ownership for your process, because um, adults are entirely allowed to say, I'm sorry, I can't speak about this now. But when we have um, uh, wounding around that, we, of course, maybe will run away with it. So owning this and then still checking out what's going on in the reality is a really um, kind of it's part of building adult intimacy and relationships and taking responsibility for ourselves because it is not my husband's job to take responsibility for soothing my wounded child. I hope that makes sense. Generally in adult, in, in, in our relationships, we want to be interacting adult to adult. Yes, sometimes we all do parent each other because we move, um, out of our adult positions and our partners will extend us care. But ideally we want to be reacting adult to adult and, um, owning what our past and what our stories are and not bringing those constantly into the present moment. So just try that as a, as a technique to really notice the next time you feel really upset or triggered or you really need something from them and they're not able to give it. Try that and, and notice, um, what they actually say. Because sometimes I've said, um, this makes me feel like this or it makes me feel rejected. In that moment, they may be able to alter what they're doing or come to the contact boundary or talk or just say, no, it's really not like that. I'm just so, so tired. Um, come and sit next to me on the sofa and I'll hold your hand. You know, I think that we are each vulnerable people. We each have a wounded child. Our wounded child is our responsibility to take care of. So, um, like shifting patterns in our families is really actually shifting patterns around how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to our partner. It's so much about being that loving presence for ourselves, ourselves, and um, also noticing what we're bringing to our dynamics in our relationships in a very loving, gentle way. So none of this is to criticize ourselves, it's to really notice our vulnerability, tend to it, and see what's actually going on in our adult dynamic. And we can only see that when we actually ask the other person, because none of us are mind readers. Okay, so there's still so much to say about this topic. I could keep going. There's lots more to say about intimacy. There's lots to say about sex. Let me know um, if you want more of this uh, sort of content about um, nurturing relationships after um, after children. I'm wishing you all a peaceful week, a week where you can be kind to each other in your relationship and perhaps find your way back to each other if you've been apart. Sending love and light. been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week. 
with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living. Thank you.